Welcome to the Inner Huddle, the podcast for parents and coaches to help children fulfill their potential both on and off the pitch. Welcome along to Series 3, Episode 1 of the Inner Huddle Podcast. I'm Pez, he's Jeff, and together we are Pez and Jeff, and uh, we've had a little bit of a break from uh, the end of Season 2, and now we're back with Season 3, Episode 1. Raring to go, aren't we, Jeffrey? Always, yeah. Nice festive break, ready to go again. Nice festive break. You haven't been very well, though, have you, Jeffrey? Not so. been very well, and I've got a really bad back. So <laughs> coughing with a bad back is a joy, isn't it? Well, I'm sure our 3.8 million listeners from around the world will appreciate the effort that you've made to get in for this first episode. And uh, hopefully we can add a little bit of value, um, pass on a little bit of wisdom, and uh, make it worth everyone's while. So thanks for tipping up, Jeff. Um, and yes... Very good festive period. Hope you did too. Yeah, it was nice to have a break, wasn't it? It was nice to have a break. It's the only break we get, really, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit in the summer, possibly. Maybe a week or two here and there in the summer. But Yeah, it's never quite a break, though, because things are always going on, aren't yeah. they? So, um, Except for the podcast. Because if you're not here, Jeff, it all falls apart. So I've dragged you in. So, today's format is going to be from the book again, Did You Win, Did You Score?, um, back by popular demand. We had such a good um, feedback and such a good reaction from uh, from the last episode we did of season two, which was episode 10, about the book. I've had loads of questions about it. People wanted to know more. Um, so we thought we'd do the same idea again. And uh, that involves your phone and a randomizer. How many chapters are there and how many numbers you've got on your phone, Jeff? 150, but you just said that 150th is a thank you, so that comes yeah, up. Yeah, I think it's kind of just uh, the final word, I think it's called, from memory. Okay. So if that comes out, we'll see what we do from there. <laughs> okay. We'd be pretty unlucky, and also be pretty unlucky if any of them come out that came out last time. But I didn't really think of that, so I didn't make a note of them. But we'll go with it. Maybe we'll just say the same stuff again. <laughs> Who knows? But we'd be pretty unlucky, wouldn't we, mate? Yeah. Um, but we need to start making a note if we're, we're going to do more from the book in future. Obviously, if you want to know more about the book, then uh, buy it. It's now available on Amazon. So just type in my name, Perry Cocking, P-R-R-Y, um, and this podcast and the book will come up on Amazon. So that's pretty cool, isn't it, Jeff? The podcast, eh? The podcast comes up as well, so you can yeah. listen to it through Amazon Sounds. I think that's what it's called, or maybe it's on Kindle, I don't know. But you can listen to this podcast through Amazon which I didn't realise until I typed in my own name to see if the book was there and then the, the podcast popped up. And I was like, that's really cool. And no one was that bothered, but I was. Hopefully you are. Perry Googling his own name again. Technically not Googling. <laughs> I, was, I, wouldn't, oh, I couldn't dare Google my own name. I've no idea what would come up. Um, but yes, Did You Win, Did You Score? How to Help Your Child to See the Football in Life. That is the book. Um, and we may as well crack on with it. I think what we'll do though, Jeff, just go over how we're going to do it. You push the button, whatever number comes up, we get the chapter of the book, we read the title, read the quote at the start, the quote at the end, first one or two, probably two paragraphs, just give you a little um, bit of an insight into it, and then anything I've highlighted in there of key takeaways, and we shall just discuss, and hopefully it'll be enough to lead on to a good conversation that we can help our listeners with. Sounds good to me. 
a format that worked in 2023. I know. So let's absolutely rinse it for all it's worth. <laughs> we finally found something that worked. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Absolutely. Right. Do you want a drum roll or we're just going straight I in? I think you just go straight in, mate. Randomise. Yeah. 16. 16. Well, we know that's near the start of the book. This was the only bit that didn't go well, was the turning of pages. So there we are. So, God, it seems like it's been forever. So this one, Jeff, do you want to read out the title? Try not to live your own dreams through your child. Okay, and the opening quote's another one of my own. And it is, your job as a parent is to give your child the opportunity and support to be themselves. I'll read the first two paragraphs here. So, I just want them to have fun and enjoy it. It's a phrase I have heard many times over. Yet often, the actions of the person who's saying it don't match up to the statement. This one tends to be mainly dads, but there are a few mums too, who desperately want success for their children. This can be for many reasons, such as having had relatively little success in their own sporting lives, or maybe because the parents are successful in other areas and can't stand the thought of the child looking like a failure. Suddenly, missed opportunities in their own lives, or bad luck, can be rectified through their child's success. A door that was closed to them long ago is now reopened. Likes and comments can suddenly be plentiful on social media and the ego can take over. Unfortunately, a parent's own identity and purpose can become entangled with the child's achievements and over time they can come to rely on them for their own self-worth. In an age where more and more people are searching for purpose and meaning, it's no wonder they are looking for it from their children. They often defend their actions by insisting they are just supporting their child and giving them opportunities, often that they never had. Do not presume that your child is a mini-me. They are more than likely very different from you with their own interests and ambitions. Cool, that's the first two paragraphs. I have noticed a theme of this. I do tend to start sort of on the front foot a bit of, a bit of tacky um, and then soften out a little bit and, and give advice and explain in depth a little bit more um so i don't know how good reading the first two paragraphs is don't want to get anyone's backs up but i think it's um it's natural for all of us i'm a parent and i want what's best for my child when he quit playing football and futsal i was gutted and don't like the word push but i tried to push him back towards it and do everything i can to to facilitate him doing it but he was adamant he didn't and He's his own person, his own self, and he's into his boxing that we've discussed before and, and doing really well. So just because it didn't fit in with my hobbies and interests, um, you know, it doesn't mean that he hasn't got his own and that he can't find fulfilment through there. And I, I can't find fulfilment by helping to facilitate that sport. I'm looking at you, Jeff. Yeah. Why do you think you get on the front foot a little bit first rather than not soft first? Do you think it's because you've got to make the statement for it to hit home? There's a little um, bit of that, but I think a, a lot of it was because I wrote this over many, many years, things would pop into my head or would happen. Um, so there would be a circumstance, something would happen anyway, and I would write a note in my phone. So it tends to be the start is my reaction to to what I've seen this, my experience firsthand, and then I go on to explain it and soften it out a little bit as we go on so it might be because of that it, it might have been that I've seen this so many times I'm miffed about it and I've yeah. started putting some notes in my phone you know god I see it so many times this happens that happens and it's because of this and because of that so maybe that's why it starts a little bit 
attacking on the front foot. Hopefully it's um, a, uh, a style that, that works. And by the end of it, everyone's smiling and happy and it's got some takeaways. I should reiterate that it's not a book that tells you what to do and how to do things. It's a book from my own experiences that can show people um, the possibilities of what might happen or what could be happening. And then it's up to the parents or coaches reading it to to decide which bits they you know, take on board and which bits they don't. Um, wouldn't expect everyone to take on all of it. But definitely the idea is it's designed to make you think. And sometimes people do these things and don't realise it, have never even given it a second thought. And they might go, oh yeah, gee whiz, I do that. And really give it some thought. And um, and then if you're giving it some thought, you're aware. And once you're aware, you can try and make positive change if it's needed. And then just going back to... Why do you think the parents do it in the first place? Do you think it's possibly a little bit that they might have been half-decent players themselves? Because I don't think you've quite mentioned that. That it's either they've been successful in another area or they weren't that successful. They might have been half-decent and thought they didn't get the opportunities that they should have done. So yeah, that might be why they're living it through. could be a lot of reasons. could be yeah. that. It could be... Um, for example, with me, I always played probably a level or two below where I was probably capable of. Didn't really have anyone pushing me on a little bit. Um, I like playing down a level or two because I like scoring lots of goals and and playing well every game, if that makes sense, rather than every game being a struggle. Um, and I like to win things, not going to lie. <laughs> um, but then when you're finished, you think, oh, perhaps I could have played a bit higher could have done this could have done that people are always saying why don't you try this team why don't you go to that team you should be playing higher and I was quite happy sort of playing with people I enjoy playing with and, and doing well every week or well, most weeks um, so it might be a little bit of that with certain people sometimes it's an injury um, it can be for a number of reasons yeah people are always searching for what they think is the right answer aren't they but it doesn't quite work like that it's not a black and white formula is there to follow no and what's clear is we all want what's best for our kids and I think in this day and age it's a lot easier I mean my dad didn't even have time to take me to football he was his own business he was working really really hard um, mum didn't drive so we were completely reliant on dad three brothers so there's four of us all with our own different activities that we're into and you know if I want to go to football I had to get someone else to pick me up or walk um, nowadays it's a little bit easier to facilitate maybe there's a bit more time maybe not but from what I see a lot of parents make the time now for their children's activities um, both parents tend to drive might be easier to get them to these places so I think um, if the opportunity is there for them to do it they want to give it their best shot take them to all the different trainings and all the different teams because they can and it might be that they look back and go well, I couldn't have this in my day um, so I'm going to make sure we explore every avenue and give my child the best opportunities but knowing what the best opportunities are that's the yeah. problem yeah so do you think that's the biggest example of a parent living their dreams for their child is taking them around every different place or is it stood on the sidelines talking about what their child's done somewhere else and it's really how much better the coaching is somewhere else or comparing and 
contrasting? What do you think is the biggest example? But, but of? It's really difficult because it goes back to what I just said. Everyone wants what's best for their children, um, and it's very confusing. 20 years ago, you you know, kids were playing football in the, the streets and the parks, playgrounds and school, and there was county football, and they kind of got good individually by doing those things by themselves. That's all gone. That's all changed. Um, and now there's all these sort of elite leagues, different teams, different leagues. There's social media. So if your team that your child's involved with has lost three or four games on the bounce and you're not quite convinced about the coach, you can now get on social media and see what teams are out there. You compare, see how oh, they're doing things. They're top of the league. They're winning stuff. Oh, Tiny Tim goes to to school with little Betsy there and you're not you know, allowed to say tiny Tim anymore oh am I not allowed to say tiny Tim big Tim Tim, Tim gets upset yeah Tim does get upset the Tim we know does get upset he's not tiny <laughs> but um, but yeah so you can you know you can uh, compare and contrast and you can get in contact with people instantly to ask whether you can take Tim <laughs> to training um, and, and get involved and yes I think where there's a lot more Saturday and Sunday teams now um, we're not a team but I find especially at our academy sessions a lot of the parents are in the sort of foyer there chatting about the teams that they've been involved in on Saturday and Sunday and how good's the coaching and oh really well and they all try and big it up a little bit and then people sort of think oh maybe the grass is greener a little bit there and then yeah that's, so they move around simply because they want what's best for their child and you don't really know what's best until you've yeah. tried it. I think my advice would be, if you're in that situation, try not to be that parent who's stood bragging about your kids' other football or other things that they're doing yeah. away from there. And if someone comes and asks you about it, it's probably fair enough to say what you've seen and what you think of it, isn't it? But to turn up to somebody else's session and say, yeah. well, we've just done this new elite, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, and we, bought, we beat... Yeah, Arsenal foundation at the weekend or whoever it might be 6-0 and the coaching's brilliant and yeah it's it's easy to uh, get sucked into that and turn heads isn't it I hear things like we were unplayable at the weekend they were so good and you think well hang on you know you don't know who you're playing against or yeah. what standard the league is or what area it's in <clears throat> so really really difficult but there are sections in the book of what to look for when you're choosing a team for for your, for your child to play play for and and lots of different scenarios that come up. That's why the book's so big, Jeff, because there's so much to well, it. The chat always ends up going on and on as well. I know. Should, should we move on to the next round? Yeah, well, should number? I just read out the little oh, yeah, dark takeaways? Because some of it's bolded out. I mean, this is a very long chapter. As you can imagine, it's one of the longer ones in the book. So here were some takeaways that I bolded. Obsession with outcomes can be dangerous in terms of development. Probably needs a bit more context within that paragraph. Um, to achieve desired outcomes properly, meaningfully and lastingly, then there is a process to go through, which is built on a foundation of effort and moulded by making mistakes. Um, God, there's a few bolded out ones. Make sure you have your own hobbies and interests and that your whole life, emotions and happiness don't depend on how your child all their team is doing on the football pitch. That is a really important one, one that I discussed in the podcast. Tea with Tommy G that um, I did the other day, uh, we talked a lot about this type of thing. If you're uh, 
if your whole life is wrapped around your child's sport or activity and your emotions and happiness depend on a result then you're in trouble so if you're if your whole sunday's ruined if your child's football team lose in the morning or your child hasn't scored or hasn't played well then you're miserable for the rest of the day then you really need to have a long hard look at yourself you're too attached to children's sport it's their sport not yours um and you need to really put the brakes on and have a think about everything that we've talked about and what's in the book. Again, we could go down a big rabbit hole with this as well, couldn't we? A lot of it crossed over, and I'm starting to think we did do this last podcast, number 16. Yeah, because a lot of it crosses over. But then I think if we did, we might have attacked it completely differently anyway, and there's lots of different stuff coming out every time, isn't it? So yeah. It's not the end of the world. No, that that is a key one. Um, even getting in the car after a game, if you're all happy and smiley on your way and then you're not happy and smiling on the way back due to what's happened in the game, have a little think about your actions. And if if you're only stopping at McDonald's on the way home after a win or player in a match performance, then have a think about it. Car journey is just a car journey and it should be a magical time with you and your child or... Even if you're giving lifts and you've got three or four of them in the back, just be happy, be mum, be dad. Um, and I used to, when I used to give them all lifts, Jeff, I used to like listening to their chatter in the back. You can learn so much from them. Um, I used to uh, have me in stitches what they would come out with. You did have some characters, didn't you? We did time. have some characters. Right, let's move on to the next one we've got here. Right, let them play for their own reasons. Let them explore the possibilities for themselves and make their own mistakes. Always remember that it is their game and not yours. Something we've said many times. They play for the love of the game and not for the love of their parents. So that is another key takeaway, I think. They're out there because they love playing the game. They're not out there or shouldn't be out there because they love you and feel any pressure that that love's dependent on it or how well they do because uh, love is unconditional. Um Oh, this one I talked about on the podcast the other day. Never use we when referring to your child's sport. And this one I picked up from sports psychology. Possibly Betsy, can't remember. Um, and then when I looked into it a little bit more and, and found out the reasons why, it's very important. It's not a we sport, it's their sport. So avoid things like, we should beat these today, or we outplayed them today, or we would have won today if it wasn't for the ref. So don't refer to the sport as, as being a we. Keep it separate. It's their sport. Some successes might bring parents a certain amount of joy, but the only thing that would truly make them happy is if their child is happy. Oh, it's going deep there, isn't it, Jeff? Um, the connection you have with your child is what will make you happy. And the last one... Football, as a game, is unimportant, but the importance of the life lessons and connections it can build cannot be measured. And then the final quote is by a chap called William Martin, and it is, Children were not born to complete your life, they were born to complete their own. Well, there's about three or four extremely powerful statements and quotes in there, isn't there? Yeah, wow, that's quite a tiring opening start, Geoffrey. The never use we when referring to your child's sport, is that one really resonates with me because I've definitely heard it loads. Um, but it even winds me up when fans of a club say, 
we outplayed somebody the other day. It's like, well, you're not playing, mate. What have you done? Yeah. What have you ever done? You can't even kick a ball. So that one's... Um, it's almost so common. It's the norm, really, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure and, I probably said it And how has it become that? It's yeah. just like um, almost slang, isn't it? It's just crept into language and is accepted. But it really shouldn't be, should it? Because of how powerful that can be. No, and there's a few powerful ones in there. So a good start, I think. Yeah. All right, are we ready to move on to I the next I think we should randomizer? move on to the next. Or should we end the podcast there? Well, I'm tired enough after in. that. I feel like I've been beaten up. Randomize number two. See if I can remember that. 25. 25. Not too far. Let's hope it's a nice, easy one, Jeffrey. Mm. Oh, this is a different one, isn't it? Do you want to read it out? Biobanding and the relative age effect. And then it's a quote from you. I love this quote. It's one of my favourites. Go on, then. David versus Goliath was clearly a foreign story in England. David probably would have been left on the bench. Yes, it's one of my all-time favourite quotes. I didn't read that very well, did I? But That's right, you gave it a good go, mate. <laughs> you gave it a good go. We'll give you player in a match award for your effort. So How about that? If, um, if David was English, he'd be left on the bench because he'd be small. Basically, yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, there's a, always a big debate whether Messi would have been successful had he been British. Um, would he have been overlooked for his size? Um, and then... Had things coached out of him, and possibly. I mean, been it depends, doesn't it? Because everyone stuck by Paul Scholes when he was tiny and had asthma and couldn't yep. run and had a terrible diet and all those things. But because of his technical ability, was stayed looked after. Yeah, and that, is it Brian Kidd? There's a famous quote about him and Paul Scholes. Yeah, and that there was there was a couple of people that really had his back and and helped him through, and you'd hope that Messi but, would the but same. But in general, they don't get through in in England do they no um, <coughs> excuse me unless they are exceptional which clearly Paul Scholes and Messi are and were um, unfortunately for the small players you almost have to be exceptional I think um, because if you're small and average or just above average then there's going to be average and above average players that have got athletic attributes that they can bring to the table as well if that makes sense so Premier League wise I think smaller players have to be really exceptional and really double down on their technical training so that their technique and their creativity becomes their superpowers um, but it's an interesting debate I'm sure there's been lots of small players over the years that have got to the level but maybe most of them have been exceptional Try to think off the top of my head. Small players that have been Sean Wright Phillips was, came through Man City Academy was pretty good. Joe, um, Joe Cole for Joe Cole well. was exceptional as a as a youth player. Peter Beardsley, I don't think he was particularly big, was exceptional. Mm. Um struggling a little bit. But like you further afield, you David Silvers and um, Zolas and people like that again absolutely exceptional players so they bring more to the table than just physicality anyway shall I read the uh, go for it Pess 
hopefully the opening couple of paragraphs will explain a little bit about what bioband and the relative age effect mean. <laughs> well, your opening line oh. says, I won't go too deeply into this. So, All um, right, okay. <laughs> I expect we will. <laughs> uh, right, I won't go too deeply into this, as this book is predominantly a guide for parents rather than coaches. However, it is something you might come across, so I feel it's important to write a chapter on it. Biobanding is where players get grouped on their maturity and biological age rather than their chronological, chronological age. Uh, the idea has been around for a long time and has even been trialled in education. It came to fruition in football when a study was done which concluded that professional academies were mainly full of children born in the first or second quarter of their particular age group. It was clear that older children and early developers were the ones being selected. Yet the findings didn't match up with the Premier League, which had a much higher percentage of players born later in their birth year. Which leads on to lots of good debate. I'll read the next one because it says about relative age effect. Relative age effect is the term used for the bias towards selecting those who are born near the start of an age group in sport and education over those who are born nearer to the cutoff date. We've all seen it at grassroots level. The bigger, faster, stronger children get picked because they can dominate matches and are more likely to help a team win a game. The idea of biobanding is to take out some of the physical elements by grouping players for matches and tournaments based on their biological age or a percentage of their predicted adult height. The latter still gives quite a mixed group of sizes, which is more akin to the real game than simply putting everyone of the same height and weight together. Shall I just finish this one, Jeff, because it's... A it's um, quite a short one. An interesting theory is that late developers might be well represented at the Premier League level, not simply because of a deeply ingrained spirit of the underdog, but because the smaller players were lucky enough to stay in the golden age of learning longer than the others. Very interesting, Jeff. Whilst the others are learning to use their new bodies and managers are picking them to help them win games, the late developer is still getting deliberate quality practice. This is the time for the late developer to double down on technical training so when he or she has caught up physically with the rest, their technical ability will set them apart from the rest. I've added this chapter as it might be something you need to be aware of. I have seen organisations say that they are doing biobanding, but they're not doing it correctly. So if you come across it, then please do some research and ask questions. It might be something that becomes more popular in future with more biobanded competitions for schools and clubs. There is some fantastic work being done at some professional clubs where children get a great mixture of playing in matches with and against different biological age groups, maturation age groups and chronological age groups. And since I wrote that it has gone even further and I see quite often on social media biobanding tournaments that have gone on um, which is basically they'll put the Q1s which is quarter one kids playing against each other Quarter twos, quarter threes, quarter planes together, and then they'll mix them up. Then they'll do it by um, sort of a maturation age. So they'll do it with the bigger players will play against each other and the smaller players <coughs> and mix it up a little bit. And they have obviously some interesting things come out of it. They learn a lot about where their players are at. And it gives the little ones a chance as well to show what they've got rather than getting battered all over the place sometimes. We'll see it little tiny kid left on the bench in big games brought on for the last five minutes or brought on if they're comfortably winning because they can't kick the ball very far or they 
can't tackle very well because they're not strong enough. Um, but that child might have the most potential out of all of them. Might get lost to the game. So it is a good idea and I would like to see more of it somehow in grassroots. How they do it, I'm not sure. So, um, it's about getting a richness of experiences, isn't it? And when you have a look at coaching in this country especially, I think for a little while it was not great at all when we probably first did our coaching courses. I don't know how many years ago that is. Cool. More than 20 years ago. And it was very prescriptive about you've got to set out an area this size and you're going to do this technique in this area and then you're going to move on to a... Y passes to X and... Yeah, yeah, and, and, it, and, and it not necessarily be based on any theory or any learnings, just someone thinking we've got to create a course that someone's got to pass so we can give them a level. Um, but when they brought in the Youth Award modules, which I think now have just been merged into your coaching badges, so that I don't think you can do them anymore. Uh, the module one was about creating the environment. I'm not sure which way around it was, but two or three it was, uh, module two or three was about um, age-specific coaching. And I'm sure in that module they talked about uh, studies that were done on biobanding, and they visited an island off the coast of England somewhere, I can't remember which island it was, where they didn't have enough players for an age group, so you couldn't play an under-11s team, you couldn't have a training session with just your under-13s or under-14s on their own. So all the kids naturally had to mix in together, exactly like we would have done on the streets. I remember just going down my local park and every weekend was a pickup game that mm -hmm. you could play from ride your bike Pickup game, it's very American, isn't it? Yeah, well, whatever you want to call it. What, Scrimmage, pickup game. <laughs> pickup game. <laughs> yeah. Pick up a ball and play. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean by it anyway. Um, or knock on your mate's door and then go out and, and start playing and everyone would just kick come about. out. Yeah, kickabout. <laughs> Everyone would come out for a kickabout, jumpers for goalposts and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the the study was talking about the smaller players might have to find space out on the wings and the big players are played down the middle and then as they get older it might change around and all this stuff. So you learn lots of different things by the experiences of playing with different size players and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's you couldn't just do bio banding or match people physically with sizes because you then miss out on other experiences it's about having a rich different i don't know what the word is tapestry of different like um it, well those experiences so that different it, problems to solve. yeah different problems to solve to make you a more rounded player i think yeah. whatever your size whatever your ability whatever where you are on your journey for your own personal development so to mix it up is great um, and have those different experiences and then I think when I was in youth football we we only played in our own age groups so if it wasn't those kickabouts with your mates yeah. it was I only ever played with the same players year after year after year probably against the same teams in the same leagues season after season after season so probably missed out on lots of different experiences because it was all very in-house close-knit Mm. Um, and but looking children, like an adult league it doesn't need to does it no children are missing out on so much now because they don't go for those kickabouts anymore 
and I worry that football's a bit overcoached now. I talked about this the other day as well, and those magic moments of playing with your your friends in the playground at school or on the field, um, down the wreck, on the street, are pretty much all gone now. Um, and that's where a lot of players learn how to play, learn how to look after themselves. And interestingly, children um, instinctively know to make those games fair when they're picking their own teams. So they'll, they might, if a team's winning 8-0, change it up a bit, or they might um, put more players on one team, or they might let one team have a goalkeeper and the other team Straight not. away they'll try and get all the best players together, won't they? And then once it's... It's normally the team that's winning by a few goals that go, actually, this is unfair, that's what some yeah, players are. Yeah, it's boring. Around. Yeah. And and they might make one goal a lot bigger than the other one or come up with some restrictions and constraints, all the things that um, are pretty cool to talk about now in coaching circles. We probably did as kids without even thinking about it. I mean, I remember the best player only being allowed to play with their left foot because they were playing so well and things like that and first time finish and things that we use even nowadays in our training we were just naturally coming up with as kids to make things fair it's, it's only really adults that want to put all the best players together and try and win leagues and cups and trophies and I think children like to compete they like to do something with their friends and they they like the enjoyment of competing um, and the enjoyment of playing, and they remember those things more—the memories with their with their friends, um, and things that they might have done off the pitch rather than the things that they might have won. But again, happy to debate anyone on that because it's quite a generalisation there. But in general, from my own experiences, that's the case. Right, should we move on? I've read yep. a whole whole chapter there, Jeff. So, is this number three? Randomise? Yeah, of cool. We're not flying through, are we? 93. <coughs> 93. There we go. Oh, it's 94. Oh. oh. This is a killer. It's going to make me sound like a right Scrooge. Right, do you want to read it out, Jeff? Medals, trophies and end of season presentations. Oh, goodness, this is another one I'm going to want to read the whole thing out, but it's quite a large one, isn't it? Um, right, the opening quote. Trophies and medals have never meant much to me. I've had amazing experiences which let you feel like you've accomplished something. And that's from John Krasinski. Thanks, John. John Ope. Um, opening paragraph is quite a long one. Here we go. Oh, God, I'm going on the front foot again, I think, with this. Here goes. Do not buy your child trophies because their club didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, this one <coughs> started you off now. Yeah. Um, this one does go back to um, somebody had um, bought their child a trophy because they thought they deserved it and their club hadn't given it at the end of season awards and they were miffed. So I wrote this in my... That was my opening note in my phone for this chapter which is again goes back to your question earlier so that's why i'm on the front foot i'll start again 
do not buy your child trophies because their club didn't. Now, this one seems a bit far-fetched, but I have actually known this to happen on a few occasions. It's usually the top goalscorer award and is usually given by a pushy parent. In this country, our first few seasons are predominantly non-competitive. The positions children play in are often rotated, including the goalkeeper, with equal playing time. This is done to try to take the pressure off winning games and make it a more fun experience for everyone. It's a clear statement from the Football Association that they value development over results. Because of this, many teams don't keep a note of the score or who scored the goals. This makes awarding a top goal scorer trophy obsolete. However, I know one parent who was furious that their child didn't get the top goal scorer trophy as it was clear that their lad had scored the most. He was so outraged he bought his own lad a big engraved trophy and pulled his kid out of the team because, I quote, the manager was clueless. The kid was six years old. I don't have to be Mystic Meg to work out what their football journey is going to be like and how it will turn out in the end. And I go on and on and on. As usual. But yes, it did happen. It's a true story and I've heard it more than once. Well done for writing the chapter on that because I'm lost for words, Pez. It's funny, isn't it? It, it is. is it is funny but very serious at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think of that poor child as well. Like, Would you even want your parent to go out and buy you a medal? But... Well, I suppose at six years old, you don't really understand what's going on, uh, do you? When you look back, maybe. Would you want to think that about your parents, that they... No. Well, hopefully he doesn't remember and just thinks they've top goal scorer and they got awarded a trophy, so... Um, but, yeah. Oh, and I suppose I should put... <coughs> excuse me. Pick out something on end-of-season presentations. Um, oh, I'd have to read the whole thing again. End of season presentations. I don't really like them, Jeff. And explains it better in the book um, for many reasons. Um, let me let me read a little bit of this paragraph. End of season presentations. Just because they've always been done doesn't necessarily mean that they are a good thing. It is traditional to have a team awards night, but I'm actually not a great fan of any awards at all for the younger children. Instead, I think there should be an end-of-season celebration that is enjoyed equally by everyone. The money spent on trophies to single out a select few players could be better spent on a shared activity. I used to do award nights as I felt pressured to do so, and quite frankly, I didn't know any different. However, I always refrained from giving a top goalscorer award, and I stopped doing player of the match awards after my first season. I wanted to create a culture where goals were just a natural outcome of collective effort. It didn't do any harm in that first season as they scored over 100 goals and 8 of the 11, to date, went on to sign at professional clubs. I soon realised, and so did the players, that player of the match awards are pretty worthless as everyone ends up getting it at some point and you almost never get it two weeks on the trot. If the award is spread evenly around the team, it becomes worthless. If only one or two players ever receive it, it becomes harmful. I had a player tell me that they didn't work as hard one week because they knew they couldn't get the trophy as they had had it the week before. External awards can really mess with the culture of the team and the psychology of the players. So there we go. Never going to change end of season presentations. It's fixed in our yeah. tradition, um, but maybe they could be changed slightly. I know it's been brought in now where everyone gets a, sort of something to go away with, so 
no one leaves empty-handed but um it's funny i'm not sure if it's in this chapter or not i'm presuming it is but a lot of people always say to me because i do individual training that football's not an individual sport it's a team game and always going on about team combining to win yet they all place so much emphasis on individual awards yeah so top goal scorer um players player managers player all individual awards yet it's a team game um which i've always found quite interesting and the team award which was um commonly referred to in my day as the clubman award which i know comes in many different guises now um was often sort of laughed upon a little bit um uh, if, least valued least most, valued yeah. if, if you're that came over to clubman you think oh yeah because he turns up every week and yeah which should and, be the one that should be most valued yeah, so and, 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 and helps out yeah, and maybe yeah. helps me pick up some cones and is nice and polite and does a lot for everyone and and a lot of people don't want to win the clubman no um and yeah, it right. amazes me as everyone goes on about how much of a team game it is the the only one i do still now is players player i do that every season cuz i like the thought of if I was a child, my peers voting that they thought I'd contribute. What it could be whatever their reasons are, can't it? Contributed mm-hmm. the most, helped out the most, could be the best player, could have been the hardest working player, whatever it is. So um, I like to do that one still. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, or if you think I should scrap that altogether. And I don't mind what you think because we're allowed um, to think differently. Aren't and we? you do that for the kids and the adults, don't you? No problem with the adults. Um, kids no I suppose it's nice it means that the people that have been out there we don't do a top goal score award even for the adults no because we don't um, value it especially in futsal because the assists count more in my yeah, opinion yeah because a lot of goals are, are back post tackles yeah. aren't they in so futsal so if you've got more assists than anybody else it's probably because you've made the best decisions no one wants to count assists either so I bet you don't do assists no we should do though shouldn't we should do if you if, you know, if we value it that highly yeah but you need someone to go back through footage or yeah. keep a note. Um, so and you don't tricky. want people turning down a goal-scoring opportunity when the assist is the wrong decision, like we saw on Sunday. Yeah, but maybe the glory of scoring is enough anyway, which will override <laughs> yeah, that, maybe, maybe. that stat towards the end of the season. When the league hand out top goal-scorer um, awards at the end of the season. I, I realise everyone's under pressure and there should be some sort of awards night celebration. But Like I say, I, I would prefer some sort of get together in a shared activity um, and everyone have a some sort of trophy but if someone's brave enough to do that then some yeah. of these parents are going to pull their kids out into a team that has these massive trophies tables for them I've been guilty of it yeah, yeah. when I ran Salisbury United we for show had a top table and we did I think three age groups and we had all the trophies that we'd won as teams including things like the Europa Cup that um, one of the age groups have won and all the individual trophies and it looked just trophies everywhere and we were giving them out left, right and centre and it looked amazing on social media and what an amazing club, look what they've done but you know, the next season you might not win anything and people are down in the dumps, where are all those trophies? It's it's very, very dodgy ground. Um, One thing that Tommy did come out with the other day from his podcast when we discussed a little bit of this, um, he plays rugby as well as football. And rugby, the opposition coach or manager picks 
your yeah. player of the match, yeah. which I quite like. And maybe even if you didn't do the award on the day, but they told you who it was and then everyone kept, kept a note of yeah. it. And then at the end of the season, that person got a, an award that was completely random. In, in our first season of the National um, Super League for futsal, we did that and we fed it back to the people that are doing the media. And they would quite often do their team of the week from that. Um, so if your team won and the opposition manager is gone, that player was standing mm. out, then they would get in the team of the week for the league, which I thought was quite a nice thing to do. So it Quite nice, but unless that bloke's terrorised you and kicked people up in the air and been yeah. horrible, you might not vote for him. But anyway, nothing's perfect. No, no. But I just thought it might be some sort of idea that people yeah, could yeah. sway towards, even if you mention it to the opposition coach before or after the game just said you couldn't pick a smell of the match it's something we do player in a match I should say yeah. in this day and age um, yeah I love all ideas like that that are a bit different and a bit quirky but actually give value to something don't they that yeah well we are so stuck in the tradition of how things should be especially in sort of lower league and grassroots football that you don't yeah. even think about change because it's just the way everything's always been done and then one thing that our, our senior men's team did end of this season just gone is we've got two social secretaries that both happen to be the goalkeepers in the club uh, social secretaries so they they organize the end of season night out and as well as our own team presentation that i did as the manager they did their social social secretaries team presentation so we had a tv yeah. there were slides on and they were like um worst haircut in the league and all this kind of stuff so yeah only for the adults this one <laughs> uh, well I think if your players are old enough to take some responsibility and it could be some sort of award mm -hmm. that you do vet and make sure that um, yeah, you'd have to vet it's it. not nasty in any way but funniest incident of the year yeah, or, yeah. Um, person who's always late or, or whatever but with tongue in cheek maybe yeah um, then it could be a nice way of doing it and I think they probably did go for everyone in the in the squad that was there um, um, and it was quite good fun I really enjoyed it and it took a bit of pressure off the manager because you know you could put your feet up and watch somebody else talk in front of the group as well it's <laughs> yeah, always nice isn't it yeah, yeah. yeah so well, definitely some interesting things came out of that one that I wasn't expecting so good randomising button shall we go again yeah how many more are we going to do two two more two okay. more maybe see how we go 91, we haven't got to go far. Oh, we haven't got to go far. Oh, oh that's another biggie. A few pages here. <coughs> right, I'll read this one. Consistency, perseverance, overcoming challenges, and mythical luck. Uh, I'll read the first quote, if you like. Okay. Smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. That's an African proverb. Lovely, that. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Right, I shall read the first chapter of this one, first paragraph, I should say, of this chapter. Perseverance and consistency are key contributing characteristics stroke values to succeeding at anything. Even this book has only been written with those two pillars in place. I can imagine the book in my head all I like, but it doesn't matter how much you want something, you have to work towards it. I used to like the terms hard work and discipline, but I've come away from using these so much now. Mastering something does not have to be hard work all of the time. 
There are some days when it will be very hard work and others when it will all come easily. Consistency means that you turn up and keep going regardless of either. Discipline conjures thoughts of some sort of strict schoolmaster shouting orders in my head, so I steer clear of that one too. To master something, you have to consistently do the right things and persevere when it gets tough or there are setbacks. If I could instill just two attributes in my own child, it would be these two. And that's not with football in mind. It's for every part of his life. Unfortunately, these attributes can simply be can't simply be instilled. They develop over a long period of time. The good news is that they can be nurtured and there are many ways you can help. I don't think try to, trying to compile a list of possible actions is the right way to go, as there are so many. The most important of all factors is to lead by example. If you shy away from challenges and are lazy, then it's more likely your children will be too. And there's a lot more in-depth in that. It's a good few pages, but I'll read out the key takeaways that I've put in bold here. Ah, this needs some context because it just says, do this whether the final outcome is successful or not. So I'll start this chapter, this paragraph. If children can get addicted to praise, use it as a superpower for learning and growth. Only praise the effort, hard work, commitment and perseverance to do something. Do this whether the final outcome is successful or not. Perhaps I should have bolded out all of that rather than that one offline, but there we go. The next one, praise progress made rather than being focused on the final outcome. The worst thing you can do is praise children for achieving something that took little effort or that they didn't earn or deserve. Happens a lot. The little tap in after a child's done absolutely nothing but stand on the halfway line looking for the ball all game, gets a goal and gets loads of praise, a fiver, a McDonald's, and they did absolutely nothing to deserve it. It's all on the back of other people's hard work. Very dangerous. It's a bit like giving out everyone gets a medal for sports day. But we won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, next one. Despite the outcome, praising your child for their commitment, dedication and hard work could change your child's life forever. So what you're looking for, just to explain that, is you want your child to be committed, dedicated and work hard. Well, they can do those things whether they win, lose or draw. Um, they can do that whether they've had the best game of their life or the worst game of their life. They still turned up, they're still committed, they were dedicated they, and they worked hard and tried their best. It's just one of those days. So don't just praise outcomes. Praise the characteristics that you would like your child to develop. Like commitment, dedication, hard work, as I've just said in... But sentence. the key thing I think is right back at the beginning is the the change in that language from the words you've just used there to perseverance and consistency. The language there is so much more powerful, isn't it? Because I've I've often used discipline and all the other words that you've used. Yeah, but it's about well, I said I don't use hard work anymore, and then I've yeah, yeah, used yeah. it there. Yeah. So yeah, even I even it's entrenched in me. Yeah. yeah, but perseverance and consistency just change it up to those two words, and if you put try to in front of those try to show perseverance today and try to have some consistency in your play now if it doesn't go quite right first time you can always try the next time can't you and it's it's just very um, yeah i think all those buzzwords that we talked about can be encapsulated in perseverance and consistency yeah. um hence why 
they're sort of my favourite two. I'm going to really try and use that from now on. I'm going to make a note on my hand right now, if that's all right. Good. Well, you've got a book. Why don't you just put a post-it note on there or something? Uh, Not I, don't got ruin, I don't want to ruin my lovely signed book from you. Oh, cool. And then the closing um, quote in this one is one from me, and it says, never miss an opportunity for a life lesson. Um, and that can be, and there's a chapter on this in the book, but has um, this one got about mythical luck? Yes, so we can touch on it here. The mythical luck is um, never blame anything on bad luck or good luck. Um, and it goes with this quote, never miss an opportunity for a life lesson. If the team's lost or your child's had a bad game and you're saying, oh, it's because the coach played you out of position or it's because the coach played so-and-so alongside you or in front of you or because the referee was against us or the pitch was boggy or the opposition manager was shouting too much, whatever it might be, if you're coming out of excuses, you are missing an opportunity for a life lesson. There's such a correlation between my team moaning at referees or about referees and their performance right now. It's like chalk and cheese. And it's once that mindset switched from it's not their fault to somebody else's fault to actually taking ownership and mm-hmm. responsibility for the way that, you know, if they're persevering and showing consistency and they're making their own luck, aren't they? That well, mythical like, good luck. Like anything, it becomes a habit. And it can become such a bad habit blaming things on, well, that's just the way it is, you know, a bit of bad luck or whatever, that teams and players can even think, well, we didn't win today because the other team were better than us, so that's all right. Or or we're not going, during the match, might think, actually, we're not going to win this because they're a bit better than us. Rather than thinking, well, it's a lot of problems to solve here. How am I going to solve it? How am I going to win my personal battles? How am I going to make sure that I can play my own game? It's a bit like, well, this team are top of the league. We're never going to win today. Um, and those things can... Now, that bad mindset can build up over years of these little things, of, of blaming things all the time. So try not to do it. You know, Even if your kid's hit the post and... A bit unlucky today. Maybe they were unlucky. But you think, well, how can you make sure that it goes in next time? Well, maybe a bit of practice. Okay, so why haven't we been practicing? We haven't got the time to practice. Well, how can we make time to practice? So try and facilitate that and and see the opportunity in that supposed little bit of bad luck um, rather than using it as an excuse. Leave it there. One more. One more. Yeah, I didn't mean leave the whole podcast there. Just leave my I waffle there let's, let's do the last one because you know I like to waffle a little you, bit Jeff. you shut up and I hit the randomizer yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh it's a big one one two six one two six one two three I got close one two five one two six oh this is a nice one <coughs> clear, clear the old uh, airways before I start reading so what's this one Jeff? be a good rod be a good role model <laughs> And lead by example. Be a good Rod Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Be a good role model and lead by example. Very important for um, not just football, but anything in life. The opening uh, quote is from Coach John Wooden, um, basketball coach from America, who, if you are really interested in this sort of stuff, try and get some of 
his books from Amazon. That's Coach John Wooden. Changed my life, some of his stuff. Yeah, it's massively influenced both of us, hasn't it? Absolutely changed my life. And when I was at Southampton and he was our gaffer, Nigel Atkins, when we got promoted from League One to the Championship, um, he was into all this stuff and I used to lend him all the books that I had and he'd lend me his. Um, there's another great um, American football coach as well we were into, but his name escapes me from... Oh, Lombardi. That's right. Is it Vince Lombardi? All that sort of stuff. Very, very inspirational. Anyway, here's quote. Being a good role model is the most powerful form of educating. And I shall read the opening two paragraphs. I believe this is one of the most important chapters in the book. It might seem obvious or even cliche, but setting a good example and practicing what you preach are absolute requirements for helping your child to fulfill their potential. For example, there's no point encouraging your child to be a team player if you're always posting on social media about them scoring goals or keeping a tally of how many they score. There's no point in teaching your child respect if you don't show any to the people around you. There are so many opportunities for life lessons that football can give your child, but they are only likely to stick if you reinforce them with your own behaviours. You are the most important person in your child's life. You are the most important person in their development, not their teacher, not their coach, not their friends or siblings, you are. When I refer to you, I am using it as a collective term for parents and guardians. There might just be one of you on the scene, or both, but the very fact that you're the one reading this book right now, I'm going to plump that it is, in fact, you that's had the most important influence in their football journey. And then it goes on to give quite a bit more explanation and depth into that, and I have got some key messages here um, don't ever underestimate how impactful your behaviours can be um, doing the right thing is always the right thing to do so lead by example I like that I think I've plagiarised that from someone else actually doing the right thing is always the right thing to do but it's something that's stuck in my head for years um, try not to get too emotionally involved in matches and tournaments and then it goes on to explain a bit about that emotions are just emotions it's how we react to them that determines if they are good or bad God, that's deep as well isn't it Jeff I like that what well a Pez see I did write a few good ones it's pretty impossible to develop positive characteristics in a child by simply talking about them so obviously that goes on to showing and leading by example tell me I forget Show me, I remember. Involve me. Oh, I can't remember the quote exactly. Oh, cheers, mate. Thanks. For, here he is. This is his moment. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll write my own book of quotes one day, mate, and I'll, I'll remember well, that I look one. forward to it. <laughs> I look forward to sitting there doing a podcast all about your book. <laughs> yeah. But yes, and I, I understand. I've heard the quote. It was, tell me, I forget. Involve me, I remember. No, show me, I'll remember. <laughs> Involve me, I'll understand. That was it. I'm, Sorry, I'm, I got there in the end. You got there in the end. Well, I'm going to Google that as soon as we're off air and uh, wonder why I never included it in my book. Oh, sorry, mate. Cheers, mate. Could have told me that wonderful quote <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago. Well, I've absolutely butchered it, and I? Uh, and here's one of mine to finish this one off, and it's kids don't do what you tell them to do, they do what they see you doing. That's by me, but there has been many, many 
similar quotes down the years. We're not quite yet an hour. Should we one more in? Just a quick one. Go on, push the button. I think that's as bang on an hour. Cool. But... Push the button. Push the button. One, one. Uh, one, three. one, three. You watch this. will be a terribly difficult one. Though. Yeah, and then we'll just leave it there. Edit it up. Oh, no, we can, um, we can add a little bit of value to this one. Number 113. Leave the coaching to the coaches, but facilitating learning from home. It follows on quite nicely from the last um, chapter, doesn't it? Yeah. That we just looked at. And the opening quote by Frank Martin is, How can you listen when you've got so many voices in your head at the same time? And I'll quickly read the opening paragraphs and then we'll knock it on there, Jeff. So we've got the dizzy heights of an after-school club to get to, haven't we? Yeah. And then an academy session. Yeah. This is a chapter that I started after witnessing a number of parents attempting to coach their children during a match I was watching. Some were very obvious with it by shouting out instructions, often trying to balance it out with encouragement for other players too. One stood behind the goal directing the goalkeeper and one kept his child's drink bottle with him so he could give him advice during the intervals. The game was played in four quarters. I couldn't help but think that if this was the way they behaved in public, what must they be like at other times? such as during the car journey to and from games. I found myself getting increasingly frustrated by it and wrote some notes on my phone for this chapter. However, after I had calmed down a bit, I realised that the parents were only trying to help and that there was no context to what I was seeing. For all I knew, it was the manager's first game in charge and he didn't really want to take the game, so everyone was trying to help. There could be all sorts of reasons. However, in my experience, parents shouting instructions and giving directions only do more harm than good in the long run. And the technology decided to shut down them when we were doing it. Should be all right. What are your thoughts on that then, Jeff? Technology okay? Yeah, technology okay. We keep rolling, mate. Uh, keep okay. rolling. Um, it's, it's been a bugbear of yours for a long time, especially that parent holding the drinks bottle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, about it I still see it to this day. Um uh, I'm just trying to think of another walk of life where parents would behave like that. I have um, one uh, session I do um, in a sports hall and they watch from an enclosed viewing gallery upstairs and the child for a drinks break goes out of the room up two flights of steps to the viewing gallery to have their drink. And I said, why are you going to... Oh, my dad keeps my drink. And it's because dad wants to tell them how well they're playing or give them some worldly insights from... Uh, no disrespect, but to his 10 years of playing Sunday League football and uh, wants to uh, instill some pearls of wisdom actually during a session. Um, and I see it a lot. So let your kid put the drinks bottle down with the rest of them and let the coaches get on with coaching. Would they um, do the same at dance class? Because they've had a few nights out on the town. <laughs> Probably not. You've been thinking, haven't you? Your head's been rattling for a. For no, they a, wouldn't, though, would something. they? If you had a dance coach that had spent years doing qualifications and earning the right to do what they do, you wouldn't. Football coaching is the only activity or sport I believe that, or the majority, you, you, you get second guessed a lot by other people. Everyone's an expert, and I wouldn't do it that way. And if you've got that much opinions on what should be doing different, volunteer and do it yourself. Like you can't be. Well, a lot somebody, do I guess. You can't be letting somebody else do it, 
and then having a different opinion or trying to influence it yeah that much it's just do one or the other god i remember parents only getting as far as the car park before they were saying to each other i can't believe that they played so and so in defense today or what are they doing bringing off so and so Mm. in the last few minutes and we really could have won today if we hadn't have rotated players round and all that kind of stuff it's um it's a bit of a poison let the coaches do what they do and what they've been entrusted to do um um, some of them don't want to be doing it some of them might like a bit of advice but some of them might be on a journey and uh, doing all sorts of courses and self-development and and learning a lot about the game and really help the group that they've got and they're just being undermined um it's not just that it's it's your child you know having so many voices i mean there's a great chapter in here about uh, my incident with charlie webster now of chelsea and his father for him shouting out and me shouting back and us not realizing what was going on and uh, having a bit of a fallout due to a lack of communication um so support your child and what it says here always support your child and support the team but do not offer advice unless asked <clears throat> and then we've got it is a high it is highly unlikely that your child currently gets enough training time and contact with the ball to get anywhere near fulfilling their potential so their current competence level is simply a reflection of their practice Ooh. and i think the context behind that is there's no point in shouting at your child to do this do that and play like a, a mini adult or mini professional player when they're going to team training once or twice a week for an hour or an hour and a half they're just just not doing enough to get good enough to for where you want to be in there at exactly where they should be at for the amount of practice and time they've spent on their hobby or craft it's dead simple so there's, there's just wasted time shouting out but that's where it goes on to you can facilitate learning at home and a whole section on how you can help your child um, to improve technically at home and there I think we should probably leave it Jeff we've we've gone through the hour mark hopefully people at home are still awake especially if they're driving they <laughs> um, weren't too bad a few pearls of wisdom in there for the first one back in the series new series three. series three the links to purchase the book will be in the podcast notes, wherever you listen to. So the Amazon link and the Great British Bookshop link. Um, it'd be great if you have bought it. And believe it or not, Jeff, some people have. It'd be great if you could leave a review, um, hopefully a nice review. In fact, I'm going to start reading reviews out, Jeff, to encourage nice ones. So um, if you can leave a nice five-star review, that would be very um, much appreciated because it, it, the algorithms pick up more on those and uh, offers it out as suggestions to, to more and more people um, and make very very little money off it to be honest by the time the printing costs and the publishers take their little bit it's it's pennies really but it's, it's an important book with lots of different takeaways that can help improve your child's football and life happy Jeff 
Yeah, are you going to finish with your I will. final quote? But I, I told you I would cheer you up by the end of the podcast. You're smiling, you're bubbly, you're like a new man. All right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but never forget that football isn't that important, but children are. And we'll see you next time.